Welcome to Jim's Take. I'm your host, Jim Vaughn. And I'm your co-host, Tyler Kennedy. This series of podcasts is entitled, Questions You Were Afraid to Ask. Now, for many of our clients, these are going to be simple. These are going to be reviews of, of subjects that they already know about. I would like those clients to listen to the podcast, and maybe they will f- find something that either they didn't know, or they might find a good way to discuss a subject about investing with their children, with their family members. If a client or a listener is not fully comfortable with some of these subjects, maybe they'll learn something. We live in the greatest capitalist society in the history of the world, and none of us were taught much about investing. We had to just learn it. Uh, In many cases, we were just expected to know it. Our job and the purpose of this podcast is to help our clients prosper. And so we're going to start with our series on questions you were afraid to ask. Or need help explaining to others. Or need help explaining to others. (laughs) So today we're going to focus on a very specific question that has uh, several parts to it. But we oftentimes will see what's the difference between passively managed and actively managed funds. Do you want to elaborate or do you want to take the first first punch at this question? First crack at it. So here's the scenario. A client has decided that they're not going to manage it themselves. They're going to hire an investment advisor to manage the account. That investment manager, in turn can decide to actively manage the account, which is a term that we use for a manager who is trying to actively buy, sell, pick investments in order to do better than their competitors. And usually that better than investment performance is measured against an index of some type, which we'll discuss in more detail. That's an active manager. They hope to do better than something else, typically an index. A passive manager doesn't try to do better than others or an index. In fact, will probably try to mimic a particular index. Will try to achieve the exact same investment returns. So that's the key differentiation between the two. Active is trying to do better than some index passive is trying to match the index. So effectively what you're saying is passive and active are styles of investing. That's correct. I am saying we, 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 we put them both as styles. Types of investing would be another way that you could choose to explain it. But in these two styles of investing, active does research tries to predict where investments are going, tries to predict twists and turns in the market, buys and sells in order to take advantage of their judgments about the future. Passive doesn't. Yeah. I think it's important to point out that both passive and active do, they both do research. Whereas active is, you know, as you said, buying and selling actively in the account, determining when they see a price that they like. Whereas passive 
did the research prior and they believe in the longevity of the investment. So they could actually be invested in the same security at the same time. It's just one's never going to sell because they have the long-term mindset and the active person would be jumping in and out of that particular investment depending on where it is. That's right. right? That's, That's all accurate, Tyler. The active investor comes up with a judgment and a viewpoint about the future. As an example, they might think that oil prices are going up. Therefore, they might decide to buy an oil company. They also might decide if oil prices are going up, that it's time to sell an airline company. That type of decision is done by an active. And then the active manager is either correct and that oil prices go up or or not. And they hope that what they see in the future will be accurate and that their investments will prosper and prosper by more than others. I think it's important to point out with active, they offer this sort of possibility that they will be able to protect you from undue risk or limit losses during market volatility. This idea, you know, I don't know if we want to sort of touch on that, but because of the, you're effectively trying to time the market. That's part of what an active manager is offering. They will be able to buy an investment before it goes up, and then they will be able to sell or at least sell somewhat before it goes down. They might be partially right sometimes in the investment world. So that's part of what they're offering is that they are trying to time. They want to make an investment when oil prices are down so that they buy oil companies when uh, the price of the oil company is low. Okay. One last follow-up question on active before we sort of really jump into passive. As we know, it is tough to outperform the market. And then in addition, protect from downside. To do both, what can you expect when you utilize an active management? Well, now we're getting to our judgment about two, these two, two styles. So an active manager, part of their promise, part of what a client is purchasing is the possibility that they will do better than others. That's part of what they're purchasing. Our experience has been, and our professional opinion is, that it's extremely difficult to outperform whatever benchmark a, a manager is attempting to outperform. Not impossible, but it's about a 70% unlikelihood. Roughly 70% of managers don't outperform the benchmark they're attempting to outperform. And so why is that? If, if there's a buyer and seller for every single trade, that takes place in publicly traded, shouldn't the result be 50-50? I mean, they, just you know, <laughs> split down the middle, losers and winners. <laughs> right, right, uh, right. Somebody, if you decide to buy the oil company and you turn out to be right that oil prices go up, that means somebody else sold it. Uh, so it should be a 50-50, but it's not. It's about 70% fail at this goal. And why is that? Well, that's because active managers charge a fee. So they not only have to outperform whatever they're they're charging, they have to outperform it 
by more than their fee, which explains why they don't uh, 70% of the time. Can an investor successfully pick the 30%? In our opinion, that is a bad bet, it's an, it's, and it's also an unnecessary bet uh, for that the client's making. Uh, we, we think that over time, markets do very well. And so by investing in passive index-oriented funds, you should get the same return as the equity invested fund. We also believe, and then that's our job, is that over time, equity markets are going to do very well and are going to do better than other types of investments. So we recommend passive strategies. We're not against active strategies. Client participates them in with their eyes wide open and understands what they're accepting. And there are excellent managers who have been very consistent in their style for decades doing a good job. They exist. There's nothing wrong with, with a client choosing that strategy. We have clients who do that all the time. We just ask them that they do it with their eyes wide open, that they know that on balance, they probably will be unsuccessful. But the investing world's a funny world, Tyler. You can do very well doing unsuccessful, not beating in index investing, and you can still prosper. Yeah. So I guess I sort of want to just clarify that active management has higher fees than passive management with the goal of trying to outperform the market. So let's say they match the market. They actually didn't match the market because their fees were higher. That's just to clarify what you said. Yes, that's what I said. The active managers are very smart, seasoned people. They do a lot of research. They hire very smart young people from some of the finest universities that our country has to offer, and from around the world. They compete against each other. They, they, they try to do and get insights into these investing and compete with each other. They charge a fee for this service. And in this competitive world, they actually shouldn't succeed because everybody else is good too. And so we, we just want to make sure our clients understand this difference and that's our job because we believe that the, actually, we believe the asset allocation decision is the important one. How much in stocks, how much in bonds, how much in money market funds. We'll be right back after this. So now that we think we covered active, we're going to move to passive. Here, there is no active decision-making going on based on what the markets are doing. This is more research done to set up the portfolio and then believing and having conviction in the investments themselves. So the, in this sort of style, there are rules-based investing in terms of rebalancing, depending on the manager. and. The objective of this is to reduce costs 
and match index returns. So do you want to elaborate on passive investing? Maybe we can sort of touch on benchmarks first. In passive or index type of investing, you pick an asset class and you invest in that asset asset class. You actually typically invest in that asset class because you believe over long periods of time that that asset class will do better than other asset classes. You do not have an opinion. We would encourage you to think this way, and we would encourage you to explain this to your children this way, your family members, that you're not making a decision about the next short-term 10, 15% move in the market because you don't know that. But you believe that over time, the next 100% move in your investments will be up. You don't know when, but this is what you believe. And of course, you can't predict the future, but you believe this. And we would encourage this belief. The asset allocation decision is the important one. So we would pick some indexes. So for example, if you wanted to invest in large U.S. companies, you might find an investment and invest in an investment that invested in the Standard & Poor's 500. You might invest in one that matched the Dow Jones Industrial Average. These are large company indexes. And your goal is to match those returns because you believe, and we would encourage you to believe, that over time, these indexes in general will reflect the prosperity and the success of the U.S. economy, which mostly grows, not all the time. And so we would encourage that. And we, we don't know the next period of time. Is there a recession coming? Are we coming out of a recession? That's a different day, Jim. Yes. And a different podcast episode. And a different (laughs) podcast. You're right. I'll I'll get away from that. But you're not predicting the future in the passive investment. You're you're investing in a low-cost vehicle. And over time, you expect, and, and in our opinion, we believe you'll succeed in doing better and investing and getting better results than most people. Your family will prosper. But we and we can only help our clients. So <laughs> these indexes, if you look 30 years ago, the companies change. So even if you're mirroring, you know, you hold the S&P 500 for longer periods of time, you're sort of getting new innovative companies that will come into the mix. So we want to point that out. Yes, you're you're right. The Dow Jones Industrials, the 30 companies selected by the Dow Jones company They've got their rules, and they change these companies over time. It's an interesting economic history lesson. If you go back and look at what, what the Dow Jones Industrials were when you were born versus now. Same with the S&P 500. And S&P 500 announces the rules. Sometimes it's not 500, by the way. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, they have their own rules. They, they can do what they want. They can do what they want, and they publish their rules. Both do, I thought. Both do, yes. Yes. Do we want to have any sort of finishing remarks with passive investing? Sort of, you're not going to outperform the market, but you're going to get full market returns. You're going to get full market returns, and we believe that that will lead to prosperity for our clients. With active investing, you have a less than 50% chance of doing better than the market, 
you'll have you'll have something to brag about and the backyard barbecue. You also introduce the possibility that you will do worse than the market. And in fact, it's a likelihood that you'll do worse than the market. At certain periods of time. At certain periods of time. At certain periods of time. That's what you would expect. And if that's a trade-off that you're willing to make, and we have lots of clients who make that trade-off, that's fine. Let's just do it with full knowledge. Explain this to your children. Explain this to your family members. As you pointed out, Jim, you pointed out two indexes, the S&P 500 and the Dow Jones. Can you buy them directly? How does that work? Do you buy them individually? What do you do? Like per company? That seems like a lot of work. It, it is a lot of work. And an investor, an individual investor cannot invest in an index. What you can do is you can buy a mutual fund, you can buy an exchange traded fund that attempts as best they can to mirror that index. And they and there's there are products, there's many products out that come extremely close. Uh four and five basis points. A basis point is one one hundredth of a percent. So period zero four percent. And they'll ma- the, and these ETFs, exchange traded funds and mutual funds, which we'll discuss in another topic and explain what those are, uh, you can match those. You can also we've talked about large company asset class funds and indexes. There are small company funds. There are international funds. There are indexes for almost everything that you can imagine. And more. (laughs) I've seen some of these where it's like the breakfast index. So it just buys, you know, and it's done well recently due to the egg prices. So investing in the commodities of uh, breakfast foods. So I just throw that out there as a, a crazy index that people actually created. So within each of these indexes, you can have active and passive investing where a manager attempts to get better returns than the index for active. Passive tries to match. Passive is always lower cost. The results you can expect, no guarantees, but you would expect them to be very close to the index itself. As you mentioned before, we believe in passive management, but our clients do implement both. We, we will close with that because that's what our clients do. Our clients come to us uh, for many different reasons. Uh, we, if they want to keep and if they're pleased with an active manager, then by all means, we keep them. If something has changed and they're no longer pleased with their active manager, uh, frequently for tax reasons, uh, there it can be a very slow transition, multi-year transition, where we transition from an active strategy to a passive strategy because you have you can't you can't pay all these taxes. Uh, you have to mitigate the tax issue uh, along the way. Active is appropriate for certain clients as long as the client understands what they are doing. Passive is appropriate for many clients and gets them uh, excellent returns over time, we think that the important decision is the asset allocation decision. How much in stocks, how much in bonds, how much in money market fund. The active versus passive is a matter of client preference. Clients should 
understand these choices. They should explain these choices to the family that they've made. And hopefully, uh, the whole family will prosper. In case you're tired of us talking, we offer a newsletter on almost every financial topic. How does it go, Jim? We periodically write longer three, four page letters on economic topics of the day and try to explain our long term thinking about that topic. Most of our emails try to point out good news. The press handles the bad news well enough. Uh, We try to point out the good news that is all around us. And it is a part of our fundamentally optimistic view about economic matters and, and frankly, the world. How would they subscribe? Uh, They can go to our website, vaughnandcompany.com. Is there any cost to sign up? No. No. We, We use our newsletters. We use these podcasts as part of our marketing effort. We want our clients and potential clients to get a feel for who we are, how we think, before they contact us. So there's no charge for this. There's no charge for being on the email. They don't receive uh, telephone calls. They do receive emails. And possibly a letter from us. And possibly a letter. We would send them a letter. So thank you for listening. Uh, We appreciate it. Uh, Please follow us and like us. And subscribe. And subscribe. Bonin Co. Securities, Inc. Disclaimer. It should not be assumed that your account holdings will correspond directly to any comparative indexes or any of our existing client accounts. Investment in foreign securities have additional risks, including the risk of adverse currency fluctuations. Please remember that different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk, and current and future results may be higher or lower than those shown. Figures shown are past results and are not predictive of results in future periods. Share prices and returns will vary, so investors may lose money. Investing for short periods of time make losses more likely. It should not be assumed that recommendations made in the future will be profitable or will equal past performance. For the Vaughn Dividend Growth Program, performance is based on the accounts that was managed for the longest period of time, and results are illustrated from inception. All income, dividends, interest, and other earnings are reinvested. Performance-based fees can only be utilized by individuals who meet the following qualifications. A natural person who or a company that immediately after entering into the contract has at least $1 million under management of the investment advisor or a natural person who or a company that the investment advisor entering into the contract and any person acting on his behalf reasonably believes immediately prior to entering into the contract has a net worth together in the case of a natural person with the assets held jointly with a spouse of more than $2.1 million at the time the contract is entered into. For the Vaughn Equity Asset Allocation Program, performance is based on an account that was among the earliest to use the program. Vaughn & Co. Securities Inc. believes that these results are representative. All income, dividends, interest, and other earnings are reinvested. There may be economic or market conditions that affect performance. Bond & Co. Securities Inc. buys concentrated positions for our portfolios, which may make our performance more volatile than that of broad market indexes, and our performance may diverge from an index, positively or negatively, as a result. Investments are not FDIC-insured, nor are the deposits of or guaranteed by a bank or other entity. Vaughn Asset Allocation Program and Vaughn Dividend Growth Accounts results are net of all fees, reflecting trading commissions, maintenance, custody, advisory, and performance fees, if any. It should not be assumed that the recommendation made in the future will be profitable or will equal past performance. Data and information contained in any chart used by Vaughn & Co. Securities, Inc. has been supplied by sources we believe to be reliable, but is not guaranteed. Accounts held at Fidelity Investments are covered by SIPIC.